0: This is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. Today it's a kind of cloudy day here in our great city. I hope it is a little bit nicer where you are. We are closing up our sermon series called uh, Stranger Things, and I'll explain more about that in a moment for those who have not been listening to previous episodes. But right now we're going to read... The passage for today. This comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's the 14th chapter. I'm going to read verses 22 through 33. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So we are in the month of October, of course, which means that Halloween is only about less than four weeks away. Any guesses out there how much money Americans spend on Halloween? Well, it was actually down a little bit last year, but still $9 billion spent on Halloween. So probably not surprising to those of us who spend money on candy. That's one of the biggest we have a, we're a pretty popular home here in our neighborhood, and so we spend a lot of money on candy on Halloween. It's a time of the year, of course, that uh, great for fun, and also, of course, with Halloween, time for being scared and scaring other people. So all kinds of haunted houses. I'm seeing advertising for haunted houses. Other things that frightened us, including scary movies. I've seen a couple of different lists here, the top 10 scary movies that you need to stream or watch this season Uh, On Sunday, I'm going to ask people maybe to just call out some of their favorite horror movies. I don't know if this is what I would call a favorite horror movie of mine, but I would say the most memorable horror movie that I ever saw happened when I was, I think, in sixth grade. There was, so this is the late 70s, there was a popular book that had come out called The Amityville Horror about a haunted house in New England, supposedly where this was all very true. There was a movie that came out, too, and I went to see it. I think with my dad and uh, uh, I don't know if it was rated R or not, but I just remember going to that movie and I cannot remember ever being so scared uh, in my life. And so that night, in fact, I had to sleep on the floor of my mom and dad's bedroom because I was just so scared uh, and couldn't handle sleeping on my own upstairs in my bedroom. Well, You may have other memories, too, of scary things in your life. And this sermon series has been based on something scary. Uh, Again, I noted it's called Stranger Things. It's based on this show on Netflix. Maybe some of you have seen it's a drama based on weird happenings in a small town in Indiana. Part of the weird happenings includes there's this area in this town. It's kind of a parallel dimension called the Upside Down. It's this other place where things aren't always quite what they seem. It's pretty bleak. There's a big monster there. But uh, the phrase upside down, I've seen it kind of pop up in in popular culture, things that if they seem odd or strange, uh, I've heard people talking about being in the upside down. Well, we've been looking through this sermon series at odd, strange passages in the gospels that we can't quite explain and in today's passage, the disciples may have felt like they were in the upside down because things don't quite, they're not quite sure what's going on. It might have seemed like a little bit of a parallel dimension. In fact, it's really, you could call it a ghost story too. The text tells us in verse 26 that the disciples were terrified about what was going on. Well, before we look at this passage, let's uh, look at, a little bit at the emotional state of Jesus and the disciples leading up to this story that we read today. So to do that, we have to back up just a little bit. So the disciples and Jesus have been going through a pretty intense time. If we So today, again, this is from chapter 14. If we look at the end of chapter 13, we read that Jesus was rejected at Nazareth. This is his hometown. So the things that he's saying are not quite uh, agreeing with the people perhaps that he grew up with. So they drive him out of Nazareth, which had to be a pretty difficult thing for Jesus and maybe for those who are following him too. At the beginning of chapter 14, we read the story, pretty gruesome story about the beheading of John the Baptist. Now in the Gospel of Luke, we learn that John is portrayed as Jesus' cousin. And so we know that there's uh, a close relationship of sorts with Jesus and John. So again, Jesus is kicked out of his hometown This person that he knows, perhaps loves, is beheaded, so it had to take a kind of toll on him. And so because of this, we read earlier that Jesus wants to get away and be alone, but this is the third thing that are kind of throwing the Jesus and the disciples into this weird place. We read the story of the feeding of the 5,000. This is a beautiful story, but still, imagine the disciples. This one that they're following, he's kicked out of his hometown, They hear about this gruesome uh, killing or murder, and then they see this amazing miracle, wondering what is going on here with this person that we are following. So this is kind of the emotional state of Jesus and the disciples. The disciples may be feeling or saying to themselves, I'm not exactly sure what I'm experiencing or seeing here. Again, they may have felt like they're in this parallel dimension, this upside down kind of place. And again, for the second time in chapter 14, we read, Jesus wants to be alone. That's where we're getting into our passage today. And can you blame him? (laughs) Can you blame him for wanting to get away? I want to make just a quick little side note, too, about this. You know, we read, whenever we think about Jesus, we often see him with other people, of course, whether he's with the disciples or whether he's teaching crowds or whether he's healing uh, masses of people. We don't hear these passages very often of Jesus needing to be alone. So this is a little side commercial, perhaps, of, I think, the need for all of us, whether you are somebody who loves to be around people or maybe you're an introvert, just knowing that Jesus needed that time to be by himself, needed that time to be in prayer. So in days of hectic uh, living or anxiety... Following Jesus' footsteps here in this desire to be a part is is not a bad thing. All right, so now back to the disciples. So again, what are they? Imagine what are they feeling? What are they experiencing? As I noted, the one that they're following going through all of this, and they themselves are feeling some anxiety and uncertainty. So they're in this boat now. They see the one that they really want to depend on more than ever. He is leaving because he needs to be in a space by himself. So they're there by themselves in this boat, and now the wind picks up. So imagine, again, put yourself in the disciples' position, what kind of stress and anxiety and fear they might have been feeling, and now this storm comes up. So the table is kind of set for them to see or experience some pretty weird things, strange things. So, of course, we get that in this passage. Cue Jesus walking toward them, and now they are freaking out, thinking that they are seeing a ghost. Jesus, of course, tries to encourage them, tries to allay any fears that they have, and has this wonderful phrase that all of us can hopefully make a memory verse. Jesus says, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, sometimes words, this kind of encouragement, can be very helpful. I've mentioned a couple times that uh, in our household, we went through a pretty big transition a few weeks ago. Our daughter went off to college for the first time. So my wife and I took her up to Michigan State, and it's a tradition a rite of passage that millions of parents have gone through over the years and now this was our turn and I'm sure we experienced all the similar things that parents do. You have some nervousness, some anxiety, maybe a little bit of excitement and so we move her into the dorm room getting all things situated. She's actually living in a quad so she has uh, three roommates and we're meeting some parents uh, we're unpacking her things, getting her all settled, going down for lunch, coming upstairs. Then at the end of the day, late afternoon, we realize there's really nothing more to unpack. It's, just, it's time to go. So we start to drive home after some tears and giving her a hug. And so we are driving home. And as we're doing so, every time there's a text message on my wife's phone, I think we're both kind of eager to see it. Is it Caroline telling us how she's doing and it's not. So we're just kind of wondering what's It's that sense of unknowing. Well, our daughter was very kind and that night, probably around 10 o'clock or so. She texted us just to say that, don't worry about me. It's going to be okay. And she explained what they did during the day. And so that helped us sleep a little bit better that night. And so since then, this is late August, since then, uh, there have been texts and FaceTime conversations and phone calls and all of these things are helpful. But still, you want to see the person. You want to be in their presence, and in fact, later today, as I record this, we're going up for the first time since we dropped her off to see her, and we're all pretty excited about that. Well, we see here in this passage, Jesus gives the disciples powerful words, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, that might have been helpful for some of them, but Peter needed more than that. He needed more than just words. He literally needed face time with Jesus. He needed some proof, maybe the, a harbinger of the Doubting Thomas story that some of us know. And so Jesus, or that, rather Peter, calls out to him. He needs something more. And so he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, from here on out, there's a focus on lots of different things with this story. And I've preached on these things. Uh, sometimes I have talked about and reflected on Peter's bravery in saying these, these words Sometimes we focus on Peter getting out of the boat and starting to walk. Sometimes we focus on, or I focused on, uh, Peter's taking his focus off of Jesus. In a sense, when his focus is on Jesus, he's okay, but the wind starts to whip up and he pays attention to the wind, not surprisingly, and so he starts to sink. Or maybe we focus on, what does Jesus mean when he says, why did you doubt? And thinking about, what's the tone of Jesus' uh, voice when he's saying these things? These are all things that I preached on and all good things to focus on. But today, I wanted to uh, take a look at something that's not in the passage, but I have to believe that it, that it happened. Now, I don't know a whole lot about fishing boats in first century Palestine. Some estimates that I've read say that they, some of them are quite large. We have no idea how big the boat was in this story. But I wonder, when Peter decided to walk toward Jesus. How would he have done so? In other words, think about whenever you have been in a boat on the water. And I'm not talking about a yacht. I'm talking about a boat like a canoe. And if you ever want to somehow dive out of the boat or rearrange yourself, adjust yourself, and you start to get out of the canoe or the boat, think about that. What happens? Of course, the boat starts to rock. Kind of goes back and forth, you lose your balance a little bit. That's what I want to think about today. Peter's courageous, risky decision to call out to Jesus to get out of the boat because he needed to be close to him, Peter's decision meant rocking the boat. Friends, I think we are all called to rock the boat sometimes, in our own ways. Sometimes the rocking of the boat might be very small and tiny. Sometimes it might turn the whole boat over. But I think in our own faith lives, we are called to rock that boat, to follow Peter's example here in doing so. We did, at Urban Village, we did our very first beach worship a little more than a year ago. So it was Labor Day of 2018. And uh, we were pretty excited about it. It turned out it was a beautiful day. And we were down at a beach on the near south side of Chicago. There were about 150 people there, so all of our sites came together. We brought speakers out, had amazing worship. We were there on the sand. The lake is, Michigan looked great that day. And we decided that day to do a combination of... uh, or giving people an opportunity to remember their baptisms for those people who had already been baptized, to give them a chance to go to the waters and remember that they had been baptized and to celebrate that. But we also wanted to open the door, leave open the possibility for those who had never been baptized and to baptize them that day. Now, I'll be honest with you, I had never done anything like this before in my 20 plus years of ministry, so I didn't know what to expect. And if I am honest with myself and with all of you, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. I knew that a lot of people would want to do the remembering your baptism, but many people had already been baptized when their children are infants. So we were doing that. I was there at the shoreline and the beaches here on the Chicago side of Lake Michigan, especially near where we live, are pretty rocky. And so uh, it's not terribly comfortable to be out. So I was wearing uh, shoes, tennis shoes, as I was there near the water. Well, as I'm there, this young man comes up to me and says, I want to be baptized. And I was taken aback by this. To be honest, again, I wasn't expecting somebody to do this, to come up to this. And so I kind of looked at him with a blank look. And I'm all of a sudden in my head thinking, I did not prepare for this. I was selling the Holy Spirit short, not quite sure what to do. And so I looked at him and I said, okay, and then said, why don't you just go stand over there for a second (laughs) until I figured out what to do as others were waiting in line for their baptismal remembrance. And then a few people later, another person came up and said, I want to be baptized. Now I'm like, all right, I need to figure out a plan here. So I grabbed two other people, uh, Two other guys, and we kind of waded out into the water. And I grabbed this young man named Alex and I said, Let's come out and baptize you. And so we did is one of the most memorable, powerful moments of my ministry. Is so we're there, you know, up to our thighs in the cold water, kind of slipping around a little bit because of all the rocks, but we did it. And then later on, I hear more of Alex's story, and I knew Why, perhaps, it was an even more powerful moment than I realized. Alex grew up in a pretty conservative Christian home, and when he was 13, uh, he knew something was a little different about himself, and he came out to himself. He knew he was gay, but he knew that his family was not going to be okay with that, so he didn't say anything about it. But he also has this memory when he was about 13 or so of going to this church in Missouri, and it was a church that his aunt and uncle had belonged to. And there was a pool in the middle of this large auditorium. And they were inviting folks who wanted to get baptized. And he remembered that day that his uh, brother would got baptized that day. But something within Alex just told him, like, today is not the day. This community is not quite right. Not quite the, the time for me to do so. Not long after that, he said as part of his family, his, his mom... Stopped going to church altogether. And he said he really didn't go to church much until he went to college here in Chicago. And his first week or two of going to college, he decided to come to Urban Village. And in an email, I was asking him this week to kind of replay this so I could remember myself. And he said that he felt like he, he fit in. This was the place where he could find his faith, this was a community. Remember I said earlier that there was that community, that church when he was 13. Is like, this is not the place for me to get baptized. Well, on that day at the beach, and this I'm now reading part of the email that he wrote to me. He said, I was really moved coming to UVC. And that was true my second week there. The week of the beach service, the beach service was like everything coming together. It was a beautiful day. We were all at the beach. The service was amazing. Everyone was having a good time. Everyone was going to the water. It was just like my brother getting baptized. I felt moved and compelled to get baptized that day. I had finally found a community that accepted me and would help me grow in my faith, and is a community I wanted to stay with. In that, on that day, friends, now it might not seem like it. But I believe on that day, Alex rocked the boat, both in his own faith life and perhaps others who are around him, for this person in his late teens to have left the church and in a sense kind of leaving the faith. And then on that day to go into the water and to be baptized, Alex was rocking the boat. He was kind of rocking his own boat. And then maybe again one day when he's not fully out yet to his whole family. So maybe when he does so, or maybe when he talks to other friends who aren't quite sure that they've never met someone who's both gay and Christian, who's both gay and gets baptized in this way, that may rock their boats a little bit too. And I'm grateful for it, for him, for Alex, for being an inspiration to me, for moments when I feel like God is saying to me, how are you rocking the boat? How are you being shifted out of your comfort zone? How are you taking a risk, taking a step of faith like Peter did so that we can be closer to Jesus? I think we are all called to rock the boat in some way. What about for you? How are you being called to shift out of your comfort zone? Is there an issue that you are being called to speak up about? Is there a a truth that you need to speak to someone in your family? Is there a step in your own faith life that you need to make? Do you need to make a commitment to a community of faith? Do you need to do something that is going to scare you? Scarier than any horror movie marathon? Scarier than any TV show? Scarier than any costume? How are you being called to rock the boat? To draw closer to Jesus so that you know his presence in your life. That can frighten any of us. It frightens me sometimes when I feel like I'm being called to rock the boat. But when we do, friends, when we do, Jesus' words to us as we draw closer and closer to him, Jesus' words are still true. Take heart it is I, do not be afraid. May those few words ring in our hearts and in our ears as we begin to stand up in that boat, lose our balance a bit, but take those first steps toward a Jesus who is ready, eager to welcome us. Amen. Thank you, friends, for listening to this podcast. I'm grateful for the ways that you reach out to me. And as always, you can do so. My email is christian at urbanvillagechurch.org. And the website that you can also find out more about my other podcast and my blog, christiancoon.com. I'll be back next week. And so until the next time that we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you.